Hello, and welcome to episode 400. I am Megan. I'm Colin. And we are the hosts of Pet Sitter Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Thank you to Pet Sitters Associates and our Patreon members, particularly our newest one, Jillian. Woo! Woo <laughs> she is an amazing pet sitter out in San Diego. So thank you, Jillian, for supporting us with a few dollars every month. And if you, listener, would like to learn more about that and what that means, you can go to PetSitterConfessional.com slash support. We started pet sitting 11 years ago. We were graduate students at Texas Tech, and we needed to earn a little bit of extra money. So we started off pet sitting and doing it more as a hobby to supplement our measly <laughs> graduate <laughs> money every Almost month. Non-existent, basically. Yeah. But it's turned into our full-time gig now. We have 10 employees across two service areas, and we started this podcast about four years ago as a way to bring pet sitters together from across the world to share their stories and their experiences. And we want to talk today about what the life of a pet sitter is really like. You know, we just have our own experiences of what we've experienced and what we've learned in our in our journey over the past 11 years. We are not coaches. We've run our business the way that we've run it. So we wanted to pull from over 200 episodes of interviews that we've done with pet sitters from across the globe, like Megan said. Uh, we're going to be sharing with you five lessons that we've learned as we've met others and heard their stories. These are not in any particular order, so don't worry. We didn't try and rank these. These are just five lessons that we've learned about the life of a pet sitter. The first one is the life of a pet sitter is full of passion. We get into this most likely because of our love for animals, our passion for animals. A pet sitter must have a passion for animals to be successful. As you know, caring for pets requires a lot of patience and love and understanding. Without this passion, a pet sitter may find it challenging to connect with the pets that they care for and provide the immense level of detail and attention and care that is required. It's really why we're all here today. We have that passion that we just couldn't ignore. We love cats. We love dogs. We love turtles and fish and <laughs> whatever else. We wanted to do something with it. It's what gives us that push to get started and the really the push to keep going when things don't go as great as they should. Well, and sometimes that passion changes a little bit. It morphs and you get to do something else with it. Like when we talked with Jill from Jill's Next Door, she devoted not just into pet care, but now pet advocacy, working with cats to find homes and shelters and build catios and do fundraising for them. See, your passion can change over time. And don't be afraid of that. Don't panic if one morning you wake up and realize something's changed. You know, a while ago, we reached out to our Instagram followers and asked how they would describe the life of a pet sitter. And by far, the number one response was, it is both rewarding and exhausting. And we completely agree with that. <laughs> the, the passion fuels us, but it can also burn us out. That compassion fatigue that we talk about. Of, can I get an amen? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Colleen Pilar, we've talked with her a couple times. She speaks a lot about this, of how pet sitters and dog walkers and, and pet care professionals in general, just how we can deal with this this burnout, this this constant need to keep going day after day and work these long hours, but needing to care for the pets and the admin side and care for the home and all of these different directions that we are pulled in of how to rein all of that in and, and take time for ourselves and that self-care, which is so important. 
You know, Beth Pasick of Finicky Cats, so passionate about cats and helping to for people to communicate better with them that she literally wrote a book for cat owners and lovers about speaking cat, reading body language. And it was all developed from her personal experience and the education that she's continued to get over the years. Then there's Day with Renee, and her her story continues to be one of the, the most inspiring ones that we've had, where she pushed through a cancer diagnosis and survived the, the cancer, all while focusing on things that were important to her, and how that experience reshaped how her passion lived itself in her world. We also interviewed Janie Van Torek and her drive to keep going day after day because she realizes that her effort really feeds her family. Literally, it puts food on the table. She is the the main breadwinner in her family. And so her dog walking and pet sitting day after day, while she does enjoy it, it literally puts food on her family's table. Then there's Abigail Giordano, who is about to have her first child. <laughs> we interviewed her and she said that this this dog walking a pet sitting, it really saved her. It gave her a purpose that she started off as a dog walker and she is now running the company that she initially started working for. And that was so cool to to, to find out that the, it is possible to do whatever you want to do. If you start off as just walking a one dog a week for another company, you can eventually run your own and make it anything you want. Well, and then it really how she connected with a higher purpose and a higher calling through this process of be connecting with pets and serving people. And then uh, Nicole Packin had a message for us when we interviewed her about her hope message, not just for us and our business, but also for our, our clients and our staff and how we can serve them well. And we not just you know going through the motions, but we take this passion and we direct it into actions and service to others. The second thing is the life of a pet sitter is analytical. <laughs> and I bet you didn't see that one coming, <laughs> but it's true. You cannot be in this business or really any business without having an analytical mind. And it's not just about the numbers, but numbers do play a significant role in this. How much are your prices? Do you want to hire? Do your prices support that? What's your cost per service? How many services do you need in order to figure out your budget for the month? Well, and what's important is you said you can't be in this business if you don't have an analytical mind. That's it's not to say if you don't self-identify as having an analytical mind that you don't have one. Because you are in this business, that means you have an analytical – you look at the world differently. I mean, here's a situation. Uh, let's just say hypothetically you enter into a client's home to find the trash turned over and the dog unresponsive on the floor. What 1,700 questions just flashed through your mind? What details were you hoping I'd, men I'd mention? That's being analytical, looking at the details and trying to understand the world around you. Because perception is one thing, right? We have to be hyper aware of what we're doing. We also have to know what it means to us and what our actions flow from that. So you think, okay, I'm going to rush to the dog. And once I get there, I find the skin of an avocado on the floor. Is it toxic? Is it a choking hazard? Are avocado, like you're, all these thoughts are racing through your mind. What do I, what steps do I need to go through now to find out if the dog is okay? Do I need to perform pet CPR? Is the dog breathing? How are the, how do the gums look? Knowing the dog is very likely choking on the avocado seed, you, you know, you have to act and you know how to act accordingly because of your your training and your experience and 
just having that analytical mind because being analytical means we're processing a huge amount of input every single second that we're in a visit. <laughs> there is so much data to work through, not just the list of the 15 things I have to get done in the 30 minutes, but how am I going to do them? How am I, how am I going to organize it? And then if the second you walk in the door, something is different or something is off, okay, well, now I have to reorganize and reprioritize everything that was on my list. It's very mentally taxing. And this is one of the aspects of being a pet sitter and dog walker that most don't take into account of just how much processing we are taking on and doing throughout every second of every visit of every day. We are constantly running through scenarios. We're constantly listening, looking, feeling, smelling, touching things and trying to gather information about the world around us. We have to be present in the moment. And then running a business, we're also analytical when it comes to route planning or dog walking through different areas, not just being detail-oriented, but really being anal about the details and taking those to and being very serious about those. The, the brain power, right? the brain power it takes to piece together an optimal route for your day is immense and highly undervalued in this industry. Yeah, if only we could get paid for the number of minutes and number of hours it takes us to route plan. <laughs> Well, it, it's it's an art form as well as it is a science. It, it, it really is. Having an analytical approach in business and in life also means being prepared, right? The first question you have to ask yourself is, what am I what am I preparing for? What does that actually mean? I know that's a question that we ask all of our potential hires. What would it mean for you to be prepared for a day of dog walking and pet sitting? Right. Each pet has its own personality, its own preferences, uh, and a good pet sitter, you're going to understand this. You must provide a personalized approach to care that meets specific needs of each pet that you are caring for, not just in the home, but from from each client's and then all of the variation that's there. Whether it's playtime, cuddles, a favorite treat, you should know how to cater to each pet's unique requirements and needs. So you have to prepare by knowing the pet as much as possible. That's why meet and greets are so crucial. You know, it's putting together the puzzle. You say, say you get a walk request for a 13 year old chocolate lab on gabapentin and he has hip dysplasia. Or if a potential client contacts you uh, that they need vacation visits for their pandemic puppy with <laughs> high separation anxiety, the puppy needs oral medication and is reactive around people. Well, first, hopefully you've listened to our conversations with Arden Moore on the podcast. She's been on twice now, and she has a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> or you've taken a pet first aid and CPR course. That is very helpful. Yeah, I I've learned so much from Arden with every single one of our conversations. I mean, she speaks cat, she speaks dog, she's fluent in both of those. Um, but <laughs> but she, she really focused on our conversation with her about being a first responder in pet care. Equipping yourself with knowledge is one thing. But then you have to approach these issues by trying to piece together what's going on and then asking good questions. It's not just knowing the information, it's knowing what to do with it and always being hyper aware and knowing that no situation is going to be the same. And that's where the questions come in, is that once we have good information, we pull from experience, we pull from research, we call vets, we talk to all sorts of experts in the field, and then we piece together the questions that we need to ask in order to give the best care possible for the people contacting us. 
Because each pet is unique and their needs and personality are different, it is crucial to be prepared to learn the specific requirements of each pet, like their feeding schedule, their exercise needs, any medications or medical concerns that they have. Other times, being prepared means natural disasters. We talked with Cheyenne Williams, who runs Shiny Day Pet Care out of Florida, and she, all the time, anybody in Florida can relate to this, but hurricanes happen every single year, and they have to be prepared for disasters. And what what do I do with these pets that are in my care and at these different homes? How do I get them to safety? Yeah, it's your responsibility to ask for extra crates, have extra medications on hand, to know the evacuation routes, to know how to transport that many animals, to know when to call it quits, to know to look for loose furniture in the yard or to make sure that umbrellas are going to fly through windows. It's all a way of thinking. It's about breaking down problems. Which really leads into the the last part of being analytical. It's about knowing your business, knowing your numbers for your business and your marketing. And and when we interviewed Jay Pattis, I loved his his approach to understanding that it's not just for the here and now that we are working towards. We're working towards a future. And to understand your numbers means someday I'm no longer going to be doing this business. I'm either going to retire, I'm going to sell the business, I might not be able to continue because of health reasons. So I need to plan for the future. And that takes knowing things like investing and saving and simple, small approaches right now. We also talked with Brian Taylor a couple of times, and he told us that he has a lot of banking background and banking knowledge and how he uses that and incorporates that into his business through subscription models and trying to get that reoccurring predictable revenue every single month. So yes, when you think of being analytical, it is also about the numbers as well as everything that that we just talked about of thinking through things and being prepared. But numbers are crucial to running of your business and making sure that this can last you 10, 20, 30 years and as well support your employees if that's what you choose to do. And that really came through in our conversation with Robin Bennett from The Dog Gurus. And one of the things that she focused on was taking your services and and breaking out your profitability by service to see where are you actually making your money. And that many times businesses are making money, but that's because they have some profitable services and some very not profitable services. And so they could be a lot more profitable. But until you break it down per service, you won't actually know. And that helps you make good marketing decisions. It helps you know where to invest more of your time and where you need to hire or where you need to raise prices if that's something that you want to continue to do. The life of a pet sitter is also being professional. Pet sitters are professional. You need to be reliable, responsible, have excellent communication skills. Being professional also means having that training and experience to provide the best possible care. It means attending conferences, seeking out other local professional pet sitters that you can network with, or starting a statewide organization like Florida just did. That is really cool that they did that. Professional means having high levels of communication, focusing on safety and security, having excellent customer service because, again, the people pay the bills. The dogs and the cats do not pay the bills yet. (laughs) And then really good project management skills as well. Again, the route planning, the organization for all of your licenses, your taxes, if you're doing payroll. Also, whenever you get new client inquiries, how do you manage all of that aspect? There's the pet care, then there's the business side, and we have to manage both really well. But also with being professional, there is not oversharing. It's, you know, sticking to the facts and not letting emotions run you and your business. So if you get a bad review, it can very easily turn into a negative situation where you are saying too much, you're oversharing in the moment on responding to that review, and it just spirals out of control. Or if somebody says something bad about you, 
Always keeping your responses in negative situations short, concise, and sticking to the facts. Being professional also means treating your business as a business, protecting your business, understanding public relations, and nurturing your clients. There are there, There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> But it's all about understanding exactly who you're talking to, how you can market your business in a a new light that is different than somebody else's, and knowing that you are a legitimate business and treating it as such, setting aside money for taxes and getting that license every year, and knowing that your clients need to be repeat clients, so to foster positive communication and client experiences. Well, part of that too is also recognizing that as a business, there's an entity that exists between you and the world. That's your business. That's your registered name. Whether you have, are working as a solo and you're just, it's, it's, it's a DBA or whether you are an LLC or an S Corp or a C Corp, something exists between you and the outside world. And that's a really important mindset to get right as a business. And it's incredibly hard because this is such a personal business. It's our business. We're doing all of this work. And then when something doesn't go right, we tend to act out personally and lash out. But realizing, no, like there is something here that I can stand really behind or maybe keep between me <laughs> and the things that aren't going well. And that's my business. And that's why that entity exists is to do that for you. It's also recognizing the gravity of the situation. We are going into people's homes. People are trusting us with their most valued family member. And we are entrusted with their care and knowing that we can give that peace of mind to people while they travel, while they have long days at work, that they don't have to worry. Courtney Siegel of Palmetto Poop Scoopers came on the show to discuss how he sees the grander vision for his business. So, yes, it is poop scooping. It's dirty. It's gross. Not many people want to do it, but he does because he sees that he can get that waste out of the environment, put it in a proper place, because when we have a bunch of poop just sitting around, it goes into the water system, and he doesn't want any of that contamination. So he sees the the bigger picture here, the 30,000-foot view of going, I am able to do something great in my business, help the environment, help these people get poop out of the yards, and make the, the world cleaner because it's not here anymore. I- I definitely didn't see our conversation going into water quality issues, but it really shows not just the, the severity that he brings in the, in the professionalism. When he looks at this, he goes, this isn't just a problem of poop in the yard. This is a cleanliness. This is hygiene. This is clean drinking water for my community. And the more that I can help people understand that, yes, they'll be able to enjoy their backyards on the weekends and they won't have as many pests in their area, but also we'll have cleaner drinking water. And that, that really just hit hit home the the weightiness of the problem that he sees and that he's trying to solve. Well, there's Marissa Lejeune from Tail Swaggers down in Fort Worth, and, and she really saw an opportunity here to make a better life for herself and to set an amazing example for her daughter that it is possible and that she's strong and able to do this. And so she started doing dog walking. She started doing pet sitting and realized that she could take this full time. She then completely overhauled her business to make it into a very, an extremely high-end boarding and daycare experience for her customers and their pets. She learned every aspect of the business and tore into absolutely everything and wanted to do everything that she did with excellence. And that shines through in what she does. 
And I love my conversation with Lori Pertanio about dealing with medically needy pets and how she saw that there was this need there where there were clients who weren't able to go on vacations and they felt guilty and they felt shame for doing that or wanting to do that. And she looked at that and said, how can I solve this? And so she's building a team of highly professional sitters to come in and care for these pets who really no one else can and is looking at solving this niche market and helping overcome these problems that these people have. The life of a pet sitter also means getting insurance. As pet care professionals, your clients trust you to care for their furry family members. And that's why Pet Sitters Associates is here to help. For over 20 years, they have provided thousands of members with quality pet care insurance. Because you work in the pet care industry, you can take your career to the next level with flexible coverage options, client connections, and complete freedom in running your business. Learn why Pet Sitters Associates is the perfect fit for you and get a free quote today at PetsetLLC.com. You can get a discount when you join by clicking Membership Pet Sitter Confessional and using the discount code CONFESSIONAL when you go to checkout. Check out the benefits of membership and insurance once again at PetsetLLC.com. The life of a pet sitter also means being creative. It means thinking outside the box, whether it's social media or marketing or boots on the ground or digital, doing different things on cold weather days, exercising the pets differently when the weather is different, writing ad copy, changing your business model, flipping it on its head, doing different services, changing your prices. There are all these different things that you can do to help and aid your business, whether it's subscription, packages. Being a pet sitter means being creative. Being a business owner means doing whatever your mind creates. Like with Maria Tehran, she she didn't know anything about grooming. She took a class in Puerto Rico. She went down there for a while and she learned all about grooming and she can now offer grooming services in her business. She also didn't know how to buy a business, but she did a little bit of research and she bought a business in the neighboring town that offered different services than what she did. So she combined two businesses into one. We interviewed Michelle Klein about how she looked at her business and said, you know, this pet sitting stuff is fine, but I really, it's, it's a very overcomplicated. It's not as consistent. I'm looking to streamline my business. So she completely reinvented her business and, and looked at her business identity and tried to struggle with who am, who, who do we serve? Who are our clients? And landed on being a Monday through Friday dog walking business. Period. End of story. Where she looked at, I mean, that just seems so outrageous for a lot of people to think of how you could get rid of a huge chunk of your business. But at the end of the day, she said, the headache's not worth it. The scheduling is insane. Staffing for that's not for me. I can streamline this and make it simple and go, but that took thinking outside the box and tackling a lot of preconceived notions that she had. And then there's Dan Reitman with Dan's Pet Care. He is always pushing the limits of what a pet business actually is, whether it's eating dog treats or eating dog ice cream or dressing (laughs) dressing up in a dog costume, opening a daycare and grooming and training. He wants to be a pet brand for everyone worldwide known. And he is just continually pushing the envelope of what it means to be a pet care business. Well, and we interviewed Wayne Hartley with Happy Hearts Pet Care about how he had a, a mobile grooming business, which is, you know, something that is just amazing, going to people, serving people who couldn't be served otherwise. And he, again, looked at his business and went, actually, this isn't really working for me. So he completely flipped his business from being 100% mobile to now being 100% brick and mortar. He lost most of his clients, most of his staff. 
and did that all because he had a vision and a passion, and he, he, he looked at a problem and thought, I can solve this in a different way. And we also talked with him about the importance of emotional intelligence and finding ways to escape and understand where we're coming from and how we struggle and really learning more about ourselves. The last aspect that we consider to be part of the life of a pet sitter is that it is people-centered. Like I said a minute ago, the people pay the bills. (laughs) So it is a lot of communication and trust and customer service and kind of bobbing and weaving to the client's suggestions and demands and what they need for their pets. You know, we have been doing this for 11 years, and we've never had a dog reach into their pocket to pay us at the end of the walk. It's just not something they do. You know, we are passionate pet people serving pets passionate pet people. A great example of this is Scott Black. He runs Personal Touch Pet Sitting, and he talked in his episode all about the the excellent customer service and the really the personal touch that he provides to his clients. And he is solo. He has no interest in growing a team. And so he's really able to dedicate that one-on-one focus of not only the pet when you go into that visit, but also the client as well of going, I am the one doing the visits day in and day out. You will get me and I am here for you. We also interviewed Lindsay Shackelford, who runs Dogs of Charm City in Maryland. They have a huge community-centered business. They are always growing their community. They even have little stickers that they put in window shops that are dog-friendly. It is so cool. They, they are, their main service is dog walking, but they are always hosting events. They've got products that they sell. They are just really dog-friendly, and they have grown that community in Maryland as the go-to dog walking place for dog people. Yeah, it's a people business. And whether they're, we're serving people that are directly needing our services for dog walking or pet care, maybe we're just trying to grow more pet-friendly communities or educate more people about how to live their best life possible. Whatever it is, it's about reaching out to more people around us. And and I that, that just hit home whenever we interviewed Judy Nunez. And she told a story about how there were always more people invited to the table. It didn't matter. There were always more chairs. There was always more room at the table. And so when we look at the dog walking, the pet sitting, the pet care community, there's more room for more people here because we can serve more people better. Also, when we look at our communities and the people that we're serving, how can we reach out to more people, whether they need our services or not, knowing that that you, you listening, you're supposed to be here. You are supposed to be here. And I really hope that you hear that. I hope that you know that you are here and that you're not just here, but you are needed because you're making this industry better through everything that you do and the way that you do it. Because ultimately, the life of a pet sitter is what you make it. There is not a manual or a guide on exactly how to do everything. And while we give our two cents every week and we interview other people, it's ultimately up to you how you operate, how you want to run your business. There's no right way to do things. But we do develop best practices and strive to always be better. You know, you can run your business the way it suits you, run it in line with your mission, your values, your vision for your company. You know, if you need afternoons off with your kids, you can do that. If you don't want to drive 20 minutes away, okay, shrink your service area. You can do that too. You don't want to work weekends? Okay, great. You don't have to. 
You don't have to do what others do. It's actually preferred that in a lot of cases you don't. You run your own business. Don't try to copy somebody else because they aren't you. There is a cycle to your business where you are rediscovering yourself and who you are and what you want your business to be and where you want it to go. We're constantly remaking ourselves. Every day is a new day and we're making our business new and fresh again. Through through small changes, it's not always altering everything all at once. It's a little here. It's a little there. It's a little growth. It's a little change. It's a little subtle difference. It involves self care as well, something that is extremely important. We remake ourselves every day through a good night's sleep or maybe a really engaging conversation with a friend. We're constantly refreshing ourselves and our minds because it helps us to be more creative and it helps keep our passion alive. As a business owner, we're also questioning everything all of the time, right? (laughs) Especially when it comes to our own motivations, even maybe why we're offering a service. Remember that nothing is so perfect that it can't be critiqued, even ourselves, which is the hardest part about this entire process. And yet questioning is what allows us to be analytical. Remember that aspect where we ask good questions. It's not just about our business. It's not about our clients, not about our, 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 the, our the pets that we're serving, about the situations that we're in, about ourselves as well. Make sure that we understand where we are coming from. The life cycle of a business owner also means recreating ourselves, bringing something back, something that we potentially thought was gone. (laughs) could be a, a personal dream or a dead business. It could be a passion or a business partnership. You know, just because you have run a dog walking business for the past 10 years doesn't mean you have to run the same business for the next 10 years. You could do something completely different. You know, we, we recreate ourselves through education, through personal retreats, through setting those boundaries that are so important in this business. The process of reviving takes focus and care. It's where our professional and people-centered natures really come into play as we navigate sketchy waters that come with being a business owner, you know, the ups and downs. What lessons have you learned about the life of a pet sitter, both from your own experiences or from listening to other people and learning from them? We'd, we'd really love to know. If you'd like to share them, you can email us at feedback at petsitterconfessional.com. We hope that you have found value in some of the 400 now episodes that we have put out. Thank you very much for listening. We have really enjoyed this so far, and we can't wait for another 400. Yep. Thank you to an amazing time so far. And we really appreciate you being here and listening and all that you you do and, and you helping growing this community and making it so wonderful. Thank you also to Pet Sitters Associates. And we will talk with you next time. Bye.